Hey there, restaurant pros. It's Dave Scott Peters, and welcome to episode 61 of the Restaurant Prosperity Formula. I've been coaching restaurant owners since 2003, and the Restaurant Prosperity Formula is based on what the most successful restaurant owners I've worked with do on a daily basis to achieve their success. The basic premise of the formula centers around achieving prosperity, freedom from your restaurant, and the financial freedom you deserve. To achieve prosperity, you have to follow a very specific formula made up of leadership, systems, training, accountability, and taking action. Today's topic, I focus on the common issues restaurant owners face when it comes to their budget variance report and how to avoid them altogether to have the freedom from the restaurant and the financial freedom they deserve. Let's get started, but first a word from our sponsor. This episode is being brought to you by Repeat Returns. If you're a restaurant owner of a medium to high volume independent restaurant, multi-unit or franchise operator, and you're looking for a proven and realistic solution to attract, grow and retain customers, then you need to visit Repeat Returns. Repeat Returns is a modern marketing platform created by a restaurant owner for restaurant owners. It studies each customer's habits and patterns, predicts the most profitable outcome for your restaurant every single day, and deploys the marketing to make that happen. You'll never lift a finger. To see if Repeat Returns is right for you, visit repeatreturns.com forward slash DSP. I wanna start off by sharing a cliche I probably overuse, and that is, that which we measure improves. Another cliche I probably overuse is garbage in, garbage out. Now, why am I talking about them here today? Let me break it down for you. Because I talk about the most important system any restaurant should have are budgets and recipe costing cards, but I really focus on the importance of budgets all the time. What I don't spend a lot of time on is the common challenges restaurant owners face when it comes to their budget variance reports. And that's what I'm going to dive into, like into detail right here now. Let's first start off with the budget process and kind of the review process. Now, again, this may be a review for many of you who've been listening to my podcast for a long time, but it's always great to hear it again. And that is, when I work with members, one of the things that I say is, again, two most important systems that any restaurant should have are budgets and recipe costing cards. If I followed up with, what are the two systems most restaurants ever have? Budgets and recipe costing cards. And I go, why? Because they're too hard. Boo freaking who? You're in the toughest business I know. You've chosen this as your livelihood. You owe it to not only your family, but to your employees and your guests. To run a profitable business and to do so, you've got to have a plan for success. And that's what your budget is. See, the budget process is we ask for your trailing 12 months of numbers. Give us your P&L, probably coming from QuickBooks or R365 or some other accounting platform. So give us that 12 months all in one spreadsheet. Now, what do we do with that? We find out what your sales mix is. We find out what your sales are by month. We find out where your cost of goods sold is. We know where labor cost is by position. We know what your monthly expenses are, whether they're a variable or fixed expense. And we build a budget template that says, if you operate the next 12 months, the way you did the last 12 months, here's how much money you're going to make or lose. And I want you to pick it up like it's a dead mouse. Ew, not good enough. It's never good enough. So now we create your plan for success. We decide what systems to put in place, how quickly you put them in place to achieve the numbers you desire. So for example, we might see a 38% food cost and I say, okay, well in month one, we're gonna implement the key item tracker, 
Well, what is that going to do? Prevent theft. The waste tracker, stop dumbass mistakes, and then put you on a budget, teach you what I call the restaurant checkbook guardian, where we tell your managers how much money they can spend on their next order to be within budget, allowing you to give up ordering without giving up your checkbook. These systems aren't magic. They're work. But the reality is you put those three systems in place, I can almost guarantee you a two to three point drop in your food cost. That's no recipe costs and cards, no shelf to sheet inventory, no heavy lifting whatsoever. Just by preventing theft, stopping dumbass mistakes, and putting your team on a budget, specifically in the kitchen. So we say, hey, month one, we're gonna implement these systems, but I can't hold your management team accountable to something they just learned or are learning. So month two, we drop your food cost, call it three points from 38% to 35. And then we say, hey, we need recipe costing cards. And that's going to take you X number of months. And then we say, okay, by this month, we're going to do what I call a menu profitability monitor, where we analyze your ideal food cost, and then we can menu engineer. What do we raise prices on? What do we get rid of? What do we change ingredients on? How do we re reduce portion sizes? Do we add new items? How do we shift people by merchandising an item and so on? And through science of menu engineering and all this information we already have, we can move the needle and reduce your food cost to a level it needs to be in order to achieve the prime cost target you're shooting for. So all of a sudden we say May, month four, we're going to have that done. Month five, we're doing the MPM. Month six, a brand new menu. And we go from 38 to 35 to 26, whatever that number is, to achieve the numbers you need. Now, you'll notice in that whole process is it wasn't just numbers we picked out of the air. We talked about how we we're going to achieve them, what system we we're going to put in place, how we we're going to train the managers, how quickly we we're going to put it in place, what results we expected. And that's the power of the budget. Now, I'll tell you, then we come into on a monthly or periodic basis, whether I'm on 13 period accounting, which is periods, and there, there are 13 28-day cycles, four weeks at a time, or monthly accounting, January, February, March, right? You get it? So no matter which one you're on, we still have to make sure we measure and see what it is. So what we do is we have our budget. Then we get our profit and loss statement at the end of the period, whether that's month or four week cycle. And we type in the numbers. What were my sales? What were my cost of goods sold numbers? What were my labor numbers? What were my monthly expenses? And we see where we should have been, what we thought we'd do and what we actually did. Now this is powerful. Because now when I say, hey, I was supposed to make $14,000 last month, and we only made seven. What systems do we have in place that managers weren't using that I need to retrain those managers, hold them accountable to those systems and change my budget? Or maybe they hit the numbers. What new systems do I need in place to achieve the numbers I want? How quickly am I going to do that and adjust the budget? See, we just don't look backwards and go, oh, I lost $7,000 in profitability. We say, how do I make that back? Making small changes without giving up guest satisfaction, without cutting product quality, without going against your core values, you actually put your plan into place to achieve the numbers you deserve. And the only way to do that is have a budget variance. Where'd I hit? Where I miss? Where I hit? Where I missed? So this is where the first cliche comes in. That which we measure improves. 
Do you understand that you can put the plan together? And all too often, most restaurants put together that budget the first time when they go to banks to ask for money and then look at it a year later and go, oh, look what we what we we did. And then often people read my book and they, they opt in. I think it's chapter three or four. You opt in to get my Budget Builder MVP lesson and spreadsheet that you can use it yourself on Google, that you can put together your budget because I want everybody to have that tool. And then you, you build it and you forget about it doesn't matter what your plan is you put in place if you're not going to measure to see where you hit or missed so you can change that plan. That's powerful. Now that sounds pretty straightforward, but it really isn't. And I often forget that. Like I've been doing this for 20 years. I, I, budget, budget, budget. When I tell you the hundreds, if not thousands of budgets I've done by now. And that's why it's why I chose this topic for this podcast. Because I have to remind myself that you don't have the years of experience I have when it comes to budgeting. And sometimes we get numbers, they just don't look right. But I also can tell you, it's exciting to complete the budget process with a brand new member or an existing member for that matter. The hope they see, the real life plan they put in place to achieve their restaurant goals fills my heart with joy. I can tell you completing the budget process together is what I explain to any potential new member, like we're on a discovery call, as the most important thing we will ever do together. And when do we do that? We do that in my restaurant transformation intensive group coaching program. And to a member, this is one of the biggest things that actually has weeks in the program. In the 24 weeks of lessons, the 30 weeks of group coaching calls, I think takes up four weeks of time. It involves getting information to us and Mary on my team, making sure that information's together, right? Puts together your template, gets on a Zoom with you, you verify it. And then we get on one, two, if not three, two hour Zoom calls where we go line by line by line. There's nothing we won't talk about. No squirrel that we will not chase. No rock we will not look under to create your plan for success that when you're done, you go, man, I can achieve this. Not some number that David Scott Peters said you need to achieve. You decide. And you tell me that it's possible. Doesn't mean I won't push you. Doesn't mean we won't learn and I will teach. But the fact of the matter is, it is so rewarding. In fact, it is the number one thing you get out of my restaurant transformation intensive coaching program. Now, as a monthly or 28-day period goes by, right? Whether January goes by or the first four weeks of the year, doesn't matter. Then we enter in our actuals, like we talked about, into the Budget Builder MVP Google, Google Budget Sheet. Now, I created it for them, right? With Mary's help, with the member's help, put all this information, we create it, put it in the cloud. Man, let's go back to that. That's your plan for success. And then almost to a person, after they enter in their first period's information, whether month or four-week cycle, they set up a coaching call, set up a Zoom with me because their numbers look whack. And that's because of cliche number two, garbage in, garbage out. That's the thing about software, spreadsheets. It doesn't matter. If you don't use the right numbers, then you're not going to get the right results. Again, put garbage numbers in, you get garbage results out. So it can throw you a curve when you look at your budget variance and go, where the hell did we go wrong? We put together this plan and we're not hitting that plan. 
So if you use the wrong numbers, you can get a result that makes you look like you don't know how to run a restaurant and incorrectly make your bottom line look very bad, when in reality it's not. Let's first walk through a couple of things you need to know about how I set up a budget. The first thing is understand the difference between cash accounting and accrual accounting. Cash accounting is earn, I'm sorry, collected, paid for. Let's get that right. I say these things all the time. Collected, pay for. Cash accounting is collected, pay for. That means if you collect money, it shows up on your P&L as sales. If you pay a bill, that's when it shows up as a sale. Now, in our industry, we don't really don't collect money every day, whether it's a credit card and we get the money from the credit card company the other day, it's a sale. We collected it that day. Maybe a catering from time to time, you have somebody on terms and you receive it later. But for the most part, we collect the money the same day. So cash accounting lines up fine. Oh, it doesn't line up fine because paid for. So what happens is, let's say you're on terms with your broadline distributor and 30, 60, 90 days later is when you pay the bill. Well, that means you have sales that look high and you may have purchased food for a, a month that is, you know, really busy. And then two, three months goes by and you're out of season and sales are really low. But because you paid the bills in that month, that period, your bills are really high. Your purchases are really high. So all of a sudden your food cost looks absolutely astronomical because you paid the bills for when you were busy in the slowest month that you have all year long. Oh, by the way, since you have inventories, the IRS wants you to file your accounting, your taxes in an accrual basis anyway. So what is accrual accounting? That's where I started, where I goofed up. Earn, OUs. If I earn it, whether I collect the money or not, it's a sale today. If I owe it, it's an expense today. So whether I'm on terms for a distributor or a vendor does not matter. As soon as that product crosses our back threshold, it's an expense today. The day it, it arrives in my restaurant, doesn't matter if you paid the bill. Oh, and use, earn OUs. This is where inventories come in. You may have purchased a lot of product, but because some of it's still on the shelves, you've got to take inventory, beginning inventory plus purchases minus ending gives us use. That use gives us a journal entry to make sure that use number is all that shows up in the expense, what left the shelves for the money that came in. That's your true cost of goods sold. So here's the challenge. When I write a budget, it's accrual accounting for sales. It's accrual accounting for cost of goods sold and labor, but it's cash accounting for expenses. Let me be very clear. So when we put in your sales for each one of the months and we say, what are your sales? Well, that's based on the month it happened. Doesn't matter when it, when you collected that money. That's accrual. Cost of goods sold are based on accrual accounting. What you use each month. Doesn't matter when you paid for it. With that said, labor costs are accrual accounting as well. We want the labor that happened during that month or 28-day cycle to show up on your P&L for that month. Not doesn't matter that I paid the payroll the next month, if you will, right? That one payroll could be accrued in one month, but the pay date falls in the next month. That'd be cash accounting. So we've got to make sure all these things line up, but then we get to operating expenses and all of whether fixed or variable for each, each month, each period, that's a cash accounting. 
because I don't care about amortization, depreciation, interest expense. Those are ways that the government makes sure that, that I can either reduce my profitability or increase my profitability because they don't want to give you full credit for it. Let's not get into the definition of those things right now, but those are things that for loan payments and so on, we pull it completely out. So we're operating on a cash basis down below. So I want to see the SBA payment. You owe the SBA $10,000, but you know, 2000 or let's go $2,000 of it is principal. 8,000 is, is interest. Ah, that'd be painful as heck, right? Well, that would show what interest expense of $8,000, which 10,000 left your bank, right? Vice versa, you get to the end of the loan and you had $8,000 in principal and 2000 in interest, 2000 would show up in interest expense. I want to show the $10,000 payment. I want to see some cash flow on it. So when we, when I write your budget, when we write your budget with you, it's kind of based on accrual basis up top, cash basis down below. This kind of gives us the ability to measure our prime cost, measure things properly, but also see kind of a cash flow. Hopefully that makes sense. It's really powerful. Now, with all that said, here are the two most common challenges restaurant owners face on their budget variance report that are both attributed to accrual accounting. Challenge number one, your cost gets sold. They go, man, my cost gets sold looks wacky. That's because they don't take inventories yet. So you remember I said beginning inventory plus purchases minus ending gives us use what left the shelves. Most restaurants are just putting their invoices in right into the expense, and that's going to skew your numbers. If you took a big inventory or I'm sorry, a big order at the end of the month, you falsely look high, right? The last day of the, the month or last day of your period is going into a weekend and you took your biggest order in the month or the week that normally happens right then and there. Well, won't that show if I purchase, 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 and the sales are happening next week. I'm going to look like I have this really high food cost. So it throws people completely off. The, that's why labor costs looks extremely high or never, never matches up. That's your challenge number two. So it looks really high. Why? Well, how about this? If it looks real high, often it's when you have three payrolls. Somebody is doing either uh, probably what we call uh, bi-weekly payroll every two weeks. That means two times a year, two times a year, you have a month that has three payrolls. And one of those is usually in your worst month of the year where your sales are the lowest. It's when you grab a paper bag and you hyperventilate, go, oh my gosh, we have three payrolls and sales are low. Oh my God, what should I do? And it happens every year. If you had a budget, you'd plan for it. But I get ahead of myself. So understand that if you've got three payrolls in a single month, that all didn't accrue in one month, did it? So it's gonna give you a false number high. Another example might be why your numbers don't match is accrued pay versus check dates. So even if you say, David, I don't, I, I have, I'm doing weekly payrolls, so I don't have that three payroll issue. So every week, you know, it's, it's all gonna work out. One month looks a little off versus the other because you accrued the payroll. The pay date is, is behind. So it doesn't really show when that labor happened in the period it happened. So how do you fix these issues? 
Well, for cost of goods sold, you got to work towards taking inventory. And while I want you to take inventory on a weekly basis, and that in itself creates a whole nother challenge, getting software set up will take you 30, 60, 90, 100 man hours to do it right in order to get the shelf to sheet inventory. I can tell you this. And while I have a spreadsheet that will automatically give you the end of month inventory, even if you take inventories to make your adjustment, because remember, even if you have that software all set up and you're taking weekly inventories the way I want, you don't want to take an inventory again, three days later, let's say the end of the week, every Sunday, 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 Sunday night, but the end of the month is three days later, but you're on weekly budget variance reports for your prime cost with your management team. But now I need my end of month or end of period adjustment so that I can put in my budget variance report. Well, I've got a spreadsheet that gives you the ability using that, that restaurant checkbook guardian system and your sales and your target food costs and your purchases to estimate the adjustment you're going to make in your P&L and you're going to have accurate reporting. So we can fix it by taking those weekly inventories and just using a spreadsheet. How about labor costs? Well, you got a choice. And this is where, this is where we get the biggest challenges when I'm talking with members. This is when I get that phone call. I get that Zoom setup, that email. Holy crap, my budget numbers look so wrong. My labor is out of control. I don't understand. Again, whether it's the three payrolls or wrong accrual. So the first option to fix this labor is to accrue, la to accrue your labor, accrue your payroll properly. So you might have a payroll that gets paid. Let's say it gets paid in this, this period but six days belonged in the last period. The rest, the rest belongs in this period. Out of 14 days, six belongs, but the payroll happened this month. Well, what do you have to do? You actually have to make a journal entry that levels out 14 days, what payroll would be for 14 days. And you take six days of that and move it, journal entry, move it into the past month and you're good to go. And then you have to do it the next payroll and the next payroll and the next payroll. And this is what you have to do all the time. Now it'll never be perfect that way because it doesn't take into consideration when overtime happened, whether it was last, you know, the week before or this week, doesn't matter if it's one day straddling, it still won't be perfect by using this accrual method. Option two is if you're on monthly accounting, we can fix this very easily by going semi-monthly payroll where payroll is the 1st to the 15th, paid out on the 20th, the 16th to the last day of the month, paid on the 5th of the next month. That means each payroll, no matter when the pay date is, again, the 5th, those payrolls fit perfectly in a single calendar month. They're the first day to the last day. That makes life very easy, but that requires you making a change. Know that you won't have three payroll months, but every payroll will be slightly higher and you got to change things on your employees, which creates its own challenges. Now, option three is the simplest of them all. We've got payroll, we've got all these other systems, but we also understand that our POS system usually keeps our timekeeping data and that we don't submit our payroll until we've adjusted all the in and out times perfectly. And we say, this is the gold standard for our payroll. 
Well, what you could do is if you've got your point of sale system set up properly the way I teach you to make sure that everybody has accurate punch in, punch out times, as well as job codes and the current up-to-date pay rates you're paying them, then you could use your POS report to est and then estimate your payroll taxes and your benefits, and you can put that into your P&L. See, there are options to make it easier for you. The key is understanding where your numbers come from. When you understand these challenges, what they really are, as I just described them, you can avoid them altogether and take advantage of having accurate numbers to help you create your new plan. Because every month when you measure, that which measure improves, we create a new plan. So you change your budget and it allows you to achieve your financial goals. Oh, and since your plan involves implementing systems to achieve these goals, you also develop your management team as they learn those systems, as they implement those systems, as you hold them accountable to those systems, you start achieving the numbers you want, giving you the freedom to take time away from your restaurant. See, while I tell people the two most important systems are budgets and recipe costing cards, and while I still create budgets for my members, it still is a learning process. That which you measure improves, garbage in, garbage out. And I'm going to tell you, to a person, you're going to have this challenge. And we'll coach you through it. And then you understand and you start making changes and you learn every single month and you change your budget and you learn and you learn and you learn. This is how we achieve restaurant prosperity. You have to have a plan. You have to measure your plan. You have to change your plan. Now, I hope this helps you. Again, how do you get your hands on this? Well, you buy my book. Restaurant Prosperity Formula, what successful restaurateurs do on all the popular book sites, but you can go straight to Amazon. I think it's like $15, sometimes a little more, sometimes a little less. I don't know how Amazon works, but that works. And you read it through and it's either chapter three or four. It's going to give you a thing that says, hey, go to davidscottpeters.com. Oh, and there's a little bit more to that URL. You're going to opt in and I'm going to give you other bonuses as well, but you're going to get the step-by-step -step lesson on budgets how to use the Google spreadsheet, how to make this Google spreadsheet your own and put it in your Google Drive and start to change your world. But more importantly, not only will you know how to set it up, not only will you know how to measure, but you already are in a position to understand the challenges of putting the right numbers in place. And that can take a lot of stress away and give you the power of budgeting at your fingertips. I hope you all found this extremely helpful. I also hope that you'll go out and buy my book and go get that spreadsheet because I'm going to tell you right now to a member in my group coaching program, my premium group, co group coaching program, they're going to tell you that the budgetary process is life-changing. Hey, that was an awesome episode. I want to thank you for taking the time to take action on building a better, more prosperous restaurant. Before you go, I want to give you these three thoughts. One, by combining leadership and taking action with systems and training being checked by accountability, you are on your way to creating prosperity for you and your restaurant. Two, I have something I need from you. Please leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you happen to listen to podcasts. By leaving us a review, other restaurant pros seeking out this information are able to find it. I read the reviews and hearing how this information has benefited you does wonders for me. And three, if you find any of the discussions helpful, share them. The more restaurant pros who have access to them, the better we become as an industry. 
For more restaurant resources or to get in contact with me, connect with me at davidscottpeters.com. Be passionate about what you're doing. Be persistent, but more importantly, become better and help everyone around you become better. And your restaurant is going to kick some ass.